right, everyone, welcome to episode two of First Aid Takes. Um, we're going to try a little uh, reintroduction here. Um, first one was not completely accurate. Apologize for that. Um, my name is Walker Chavatel, and I'm senior at University of Delaware. And I am a political science major who is going to the University of Florida next year to get my PhD in political science, not democratic theory, as I said last time. Um, democratic theory is my interest, um, as well as general higher education and how higher education um, involves democratic citizenship. So uh, take it away, whoever's up next. Uh, what's up, guys? My name is Nick Kilmer. Uh, I'm still a sophomore at University of Delaware, <laughs> studying uh, public policy with minors in political science and journalism. Um, I'll hand it off to John Gohill so he can do another quick, quick reintroduction. Hello, listeners. Um, my name is John Cohill. We're going to try this again. Uh, I am also a student at the University of Delaware. I'm studying public policy and administration with a minor in business administration. And I'm going to toss it back to Walker as we kind of do a little bit more introductions and continue into our next topic. Yeah, so past five minutes for us have been a bit of a kerfluffle. Um, we've had quite the difficulties with setting up our video and mic and whatnot. So bit stressed to say the least. We figured it out. Um so today for me, um here wait, do we wanna do some coronavirus news before we get into Bernie? Of course. Um so a little update on this disgusting pandemic that we're in right now. Disgusting. Uh, nationally, we are at 395,000 cases um, with a total death of 12,754. Um, more locally in Delaware, we are at 1,116 cases with 19 total deaths. Okay. And it seems like from what I've heard, um, I'm trying to take everything I see right now with a grain of, grain of salt, um, but death projections aren't as bad as we had expected. Um, and this was, this was a, a week ago, they projected uh, about 250,000 Americans might die. But that was under the impression that only 50% of people would be following social distancing rules. When in reality, right now, the estimates more close to, is closer to 90%. So that's just some good news, I guess, um, for Corona. But today, um, sad day. For, for me, um, I think a lot to talk about, um, but today is April 8th, and Bernie Sanders has officially suspended his presidential campaign. Um, so, and he, he did um, back and endorse Joe Biden. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw that, but before I get into, into this any deeper, I'm going to say that if you are a member of the Democratic Party, if you're on the left, our candidate right now is Joe Biden, and you need to get out and you need to vote. I have my own views, and I have, you know, whatever I believe in is whatever, but right now, we need to mobilize voters, and we need, we're voting for Joe Biden, and that is what needs to happen. We need to get out and defeat um, Dongle Trunk is what I've, what I've heard people call him, Dongle Trunk, get it, like Donald Trump. Is that funny? Hey, 
Hey, not even not even just blue voter, voters. We uh we need those those middlemen and we need those those uh righties that are just not a fan of him right now. Hey, come come vote, come join us. <laughs> join us. Yeah. I mean, it's just going to be it's going to be an interesting few months with uh with the pandemic ongoing. Um campaigns are kind of changing up right now. Like you see a lot of people taking like the fireside chats that like Bernie was doing this past month, but Biden has also done a few virtual chats. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I, I, I struggle to see like the positivity there. Like it's, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting six months or, or so. Uh, yeah. Um, definitely. I, what is interesting to me and this will begin my rant. What are the biggest issues right now? homelessness you can't go home if you don't have a home you can't quarantine if you're in a home half of our country living paycheck to paycheck people can't pay their rent landlords are suspending rent people are getting laid off half our country lives paycheck to paycheck um our prisons i think there's i mean i i don't know the exact number for prison population i know homeless is about 4.4 million our prisons are incredibly overpopulated um another source another issue that's rising to center stage in the pandemic our country uh our citizens have a lack of mental health resources another issue that's being heightened in the pandemic um minorities and racism obviously ongoing issue that that coronavirus is disproportionately affecting the black community so i can just i'll give you five issues that are very real that are the, the, the front line of this pandemic homelessness People living paycheck to paycheck, overpopulated prisons. Uh, people have a general lack of mental health resources, and um, black community is being disproportionately affected. And these are five issues that are very, very real right now, and things that are, are in the in our front of our faces that are obviously are some of our biggest issues to combat. And those are five topics that Bernie Sanders, since he started campaigning has been has been vouching to fight and it's becoming reality now and just my question is why does it take the worst situation that any of us have ever experienced that most people have experienced in their lifetime to realize that homelessness that income inequality that overpopulated overpopulated prisons mental health racism why does it take a pandemic to put these these issues to center stage and to realize how impactful they are, and it, it, it people are so afraid of of all of what Bernie supports, but this is now our life. Everything that he's concerned about is now on all of our plates. So it's to me, it's it's there's a very contradictory form of logic when people are afraid of Bernie, and right now everything that he is worrying about is completely happening. And it's being heightened by the pandemic. So, I mean, it's, I, and, you know, I started this with saying Biden is my candidate at the moment. Obviously he is, but we need to understand um, that, you know, in the future, these ideas we, we thought were so radical are, 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 are increasingly becoming a part of our everyday lives. So I think that's just something that I think we need to consider. Yeah, I agree. Like it's 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 difficult to 
watch someone who's had such a long career of battling for people's rights and for the uh, policies that we're just now focusing on get kind of thrown to the wayside. But you got to remember that because he's taking this step now and he's removing himself from the uh, election and campaign trail now, he's got he's got more sway with, with the Biden campaign. Um, he's going to have more of an influence because he does still have a, a large following. Mm. It wasn't the support that he assumed that was going to come out and back him like he thought it was going to be a revolutionary type of type of group. And unfortunately it just was not. But I think what Biden does give us is someone that can build that platform um, and unite the left and the centrist a little bit better than say uh, like 2016 Hillary could, um, because that was that, that entire campaign was just a lot more divisive and uh, created a lot more problems. And, Biden, uh, with his statement that he was going to have a woman as a VP, I think I think he might pick Elizabeth Warren possibly, and that that goes to show like even more. <laughs> yes, John. Yes, John. Sorry. No, my I'm I'm not pointing at you, Nick. I'm pointing at Walker. Yeah, I I have a comment after you. All right, um, go ahead. Go ahead. I I just want to point out that um, I don't think is his hard work is going unnoticed or uninfluenced. Well, that's um, what the video, you know, his, his official suspension of his, you saw that he's, this is a movement. This isn't just the candidate, the presidential campaign. And yeah. to say that you can see his impact in the democratic party right now is you can see it. It's, it's there. Um, Biden will be the most, if elected will be the most progressive president that we've had so far. And that's not to say that, um, we need to go. That's not to say that we don't need to go further towards um, being more progressive, but um, everything he's doing, he is probably adapting some from Bernie in the sense that his campaign is going to include a lot of things that Bernie had touched on in 2016 and in 2020. And he will be the most progressive president we've had so far if he is elected. Yeah, I mean, well, back, back to. Um... Nick's point about uh, Biden picking a female VP. So I, I don't know if you guys can remember back to the uh, debate in, I think it was in DC where there was no audience. Um, first off, that was, that was Bernie's campaign. It was cheesy. It was cheesy. No, I, I, like, I was... think all, all, all debates should be like that because the audience, oh, the okay. audience, I thought we were talking about like him just saying that. He yeah. Was gonna... That's what I was going to say. Oh. Okay. So I, I was going to yeah. say, He's asked the question, will you pick a woman as a VP? And this actually relates to something we're learning about in our theory class, Nicholas. Um, Biden was, boom, yes, 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 yes. And Bernie made it seem, and Bernie was obviously supportive of that. He, he wants a woman VP. He would never be opposed to that. But essentializing it, and what we're learning about now is it's called essentializing tendencies where it has to be a woman and no matter what women like women's views aren't going to be able to be adequately um, understood unless it's a woman, which I mean, this is a touchy issue. Women, um, a woman in office definitely would understand the concerns of a woman, a public, uh, a, a woman citizen, obviously, but to essentialize it, that it has to be a certain demographic, um, 
is making it seem like that woman will understand all women's views, um, which obviously isn't the case. Um, so, and so that's, that's something that um, in terms of like identity politics, that isn't, I'd say the best campaign tool for Biden to just say that it has to be a woman. Um, no, like he, he should have, he should have just come out and said like, this is my candidate um, for VP and whoever it was, whether it be like Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren or whoever, um, that's how he should have done it. But like he was asked in the debate who, like what he was going to do about VP. So it does make sense that he said, I'm going to appoint a woman because one, it was points in the debate yeah. and two, um, I, I think like Bernie had a better uh-huh. response to it because he, he was like, he wasn't choosing his candidate right then, but he, he said like, there were women on his list as well as other, as well as other people. So Did we just, we try a little echo. I think we're chilling now, but I mean, back to what I was saying earlier about Bernie and I'll, I'll, I'll stop the Bernie, the Bernie bro talk after this, but that campaign in the, in the coronavirus age of coronavirus, that if you're watching that campaign and you can hear Bernie talking about everything I laid out earlier, and you can still sit and watch that campaign and feel like Biden is your candidate after that campaign, when all of these issues are directly on the table of pretty much ruining our country right now. Everything that Bernie's talking about is just decimating our country. It is really hard for me to understand how someone can watch that debate and still feel like, oh, yeah, Joe's concerns are probably more valid right now. Joe's more applicable candidate to, to contemporary society. So it's like, how can you watch that and be like, yeah, Joe's more prepared to be the leader right now of today. And that doesn't necessarily mean, I'm just saying within that campaign or within that, excuse me, within that um, debate, that was Bernie's debate to just blow him off the table. To follow Walker's point about how American, the American people, the American public um, could see Joe as the next candidate is the fact that he is a familiar face. Um, he is someone that has been um, associated with the Obama administration for eight years. So um, people at that oh, time... Are we getting into electability? Is that what we're doing? No, we're getting into <laughs> uh, like what makes you feel at home uh, when you see someone. Um, okay. And Com- if you lived a comfortable life or you felt empowered during the Obama administration, you have this underlying sense yeah. of I'm going to feel empowered. I'm going to feel um, respected during the Biden administration. If that were to happen because of their relation. So I think it's a sense of uh, connectability to the American people just from the sense of the Obama administration. Yeah. Um, which I agree with, but um, I think that also runs um, while it can be a, it can be seen as a, a benefit, it can also be seen as um, something that is at the very heart of how politics can be corrupted a lot of the time. Um, people with salient names, people with noticeable names, people who have been associated with you know the Bushes, the Clintons. That also has a, has a way of, of really hurting politics and how people associate a good politician with, with a 
working under under um, a certain uh, president, which I, I would agree is a is a different situation with Biden. He's a VP. He definitely you know had his hand, he was hands on with a lot of the policy of Obama Obama's administration. But all I'm saying is um, it gets into touchy waters when we're um, only feeling comfort comfortable over these same names, these same administrations. Um, and it just, it, it kind of opens a door to an, an egalitarian politics where people are, are, uh, it's not a fair race for people who don't have these types of connections. Um, but I mean, very, a, a very valid point nonetheless. I mean, I know people who Obama's years are, you know, coming back to them and it's definitely going to help the campaign for the blue. But, um, I think now we are going to try something new, switch it up to our question and answer section. And so for this section, we are going to hopefully familiarize ourselves with you guys a bit more. And our first question comes from Emma. Not going to throw her last name in there for her own privacy, but Emma, you know... Yeah, just to yeah, keep her, you never know it's gonna happen. Good call. We do have a lot of listeners. Yeah, at least like yeah. two. My mom. Okay, we're 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 it's 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 early. It's My mom early. didn't even listen. Okay, so Emma, a great question. Should I say? My question is Tiger King inspired. Pop culture reference. If you guys didn't get that, Tiger King Netflix. Okay, my question is Tiger King inspired. If you could domesticate any animal and keep it as a pet, what would it be? And there is a caveat that you wouldn't be judged on the ethics of owning it, and you don't have to worry about the equipment needed to care for it. Who wants to go first? I think I'll go first. And we're going to pick two. Um, we're going to pick two. I, yeah. would, I would take two. Yeah, we're going with two. Um, I would go mongoose, because those things are beasts, and uh, a wallaby, because it's basically like a miniature kangaroo, and uh, they're friggin' adorable. Um, getting to feed one in Australia was one of the highlights abroad. of my life. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm cultured and I studied abroad. What can I say? I'm pretty sure I mentioned <laughs> in the first episode too. It's fine. Um, but uh, a mongoose and a wallaby would be a killer duo. Um, you walk into anybody anybody's place with your mongoose on your shoulder and wallaby. That's a conversation starter. Away. Yeah, for sure. And it is a conversation. John, starter. you want to um, hit second? Yeah, I can follow. Um, the animal that I would like to... If you still mind, I'm going to be upset. What's what's the word? Domesticate. Domesticate. The animal that I would like to domesticate We're would be... We're smart here. We use big words. An elephant. Yeah. Yeah, that, um, that, yeah that's that's fair. So Why? What can you do with an elephant? What can you do with an elephant? So the, the funny thing is... <laughs> A lot of things. The funny thing is that they <laughs> like to play a lot. Um, they're water animals, so they do like to play in the water. Um, so you're going to get a pool for an elephant now, too? I, I, I think sorry, you can just have a, a nearby body of water should suffice. I think, um, I think most elephants are – I think most bodies of water are um, free for elephant activity. You take, you take your elephant up to white clay, let it, let it splash around. I've been charged by elephants before, so that was fun. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, same, dude. Chiha Park, Albany, Georgia. Uh, Benin Africa Wildlife Reservation. 
Oh yeah, he's <laughs> actually right, that one's dead. scarier. <laughs> um, so the baby was walking towards us, and the mommy charged the uh, the vehicle. It was fun. Did did you RKO it? Uh, we sped away really fast. How fast were you going? How fast? Okay, so there's no collision. Uh, not that fast, like forty miles an hour. That's not bad. It's solid speed. Okay, John, would you want to pick a second? Um. No. Okay. Well, confidence is key. So both of my choices, I would say, um, will be hard to compete with. Um, two very different um, choices here. One for a rainy day, one for a sunny day. Um, first choice uh, came to my mind after watching Animal Planet recently. It's about 3 a.m. and I instantly knew what my favorite uh, animal was after this. The Komodo dragon. Um, oh, if yeah. you're telling me you're going to see someone walking down the street who has a domesticated Komodo dragon and you're going to get near that guy, you, you're, you're just incorrect. That guy demands attention in the entire room, and that is a scary guy to mess with. You're not messing with that guy. Um, okay. And for the rainy day. Um, look, I'm sad. I'm upset. I've had a tough day. It's raining outside, and I want to go. You know, I want to snuggle up and get some cocoa and throw my blanket on and watch some Ozark. And you know what's next to me? A freaking panda, a panda bear. That panda bear is going to sit yeah. there and say, All right. and I'm going to tell it I've had a tough day. And he's going to be like, hmm, that's life, man. And he's just going to, it's emotional support. He is there and he's going to, he's going to have the best advice and he's just going to, he's going to know, um, just how to relax. And so, um, you know, those are my two and, uh, yeah, with that, I guess we can go to the next question. Um, comes in from uh, Julie. Um, also protect... No last names. Again, no last names. Uh, protect protect uh, their anonymity. Can't let yeah, people know that they're yeah. listening to the show. Um, so if you guys want to run to our group chat where I sent this one, we can all choose. I know me and Nick might have a similar answer, but the um, answer... The question from Julie was, what's the dankest meme you've seen since coronavirus started? Um, something related to coronavirus, which I don't know if we should be um, humorizing, if that's a word, coronavirus, but we are. So I'm sure you guys have seen the Choose Your Quarantine House memes, and we have, uh, we've chosen that, I think, collectively as the best meme. Um, I think we're all going to choose a different house. We're not going to list off every single name we see because that will take forever, but we'll choose a house and we will say who's in the house. So... Who wants to start? I'll go first. Oh, well, um, yeah, so I'm going to choose house five uh, for a few reasons. Wait, I- I'm going to have to switch, guys. I just saw house four and uh, Megan Markle, Demi Lovato. Who is Megan Marble? Markle. Are you serious? <laughs> I don't know who that is. She's married to Prince Harry. Oh, She's royalty. oh okay, okay, okay. Whoa, that was bad. Put some respect on her name. Might have to edit that. Um, so I will choose House Four: uh, Meghan Markle, Demi Lovato, Tina Fey, George Clooney, and Dave Chappelle, um, for the very reasons that um, um, I have a crush on Demi Lovato. And, yeah, she's uh, she's cr- yeah, she's cool. Meghan Markle is royalty, 
uh, Tina Fey and Dave Chappelle could give me humor. And George Clooney is a beast. Unfortunately, my celebrity uh, crush is not on here. Shout out Margot Robbie. If you're listening to this, I don't know why you're <laughs> listening to this, but thank you. Um, and like, hit me up, Nick Kilmer, follow me on Instagram, whatever. Uh, but I'm going to go house number five. Uh, Gordon Ramsay as our chef. LeBron James, so he can teach me some sick post moves. Uh, Post Malone, get some Post Malone and Jennifer yeah. Lopez to get some nice entertainment. Um, and they're probably gonna make a sick yeah. No, you could totally like, make that'd be dope as well. LeBron and Post Malone, I feel like something with basketball and like, how can I make sense? But I just feel like it would all it would all work. And then like Jennifer Aniston to finish it off. Like House Five's yeah. a powerhouse. And, like, we got Gordon Ramsay cooking it for us the entire time. Okay. So, it's like, I'd be living in heaven. Okay. Well, I hate to be this guy, but I'm always stuck between two choices in almost everything that I've ever done in my life, and I cannot make any decisions. So, I have I have one that I've chosen, but there is one that is definitely a close to second that I must also mention. So, I'm going to go with House One, um, Justin Bieber, Will Ferrell, Kylie Jenner. Dr. Phil and Mindy Kaling. I also don't know her. She's okay. in the office. Obviously, you're looking at this this list here, this lineup, the starting five, and Bieber and Jenner are your weak links for sure. That's that's drama in the locker room. You don't want any of that. But you're telling me you're gonna wake up to Dr. Phil and freaking Will Ferrell and not have the most electric household atmosphere of all time. Dr. Phil and Will Ferrell can be the only two people that I see for the rest of my life, and I wouldn't mind that. Okay, so I- Will Ferrell really like that was that was a tough decision. I I would have loved being Will Ferrell's house. Also, shout out House Number Six for Beyonce and Look, Chris if Will Ferrell and well. one of you guys was was hanging off of a mountain, and I had the power to bring both of you up. I would drop one of you just so I knew I could get Will Ferrell. <laughs> okay, and I must mention House Three as well. Um, close second. Um, I David don't, Blaine I don't for know the match. I'm so bad. You don't I'm know who so David Blaine is. He's the monotone uh, music or magic guy. Okay, right? Well, whatever that means. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is your your runner up. Your um, you know, your Pittsburgh Steelers type of team here. The second, 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 second in the AFC <laughs> North. Second in uh, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, so David Blaine, Kanye West, Billie Eilish, Taylor Swift, and Oprah. Okay, obviously from first glance, Kanye West and Taylor Swift have a history. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen Kanye West um, stole one of Taylor Swift's you know, Grammys or Emmys or something and was like, beyond. No, he yeah. came up onto the stage and was like, I just want to say. Yeah. Congrats to you, Taylor, but yeah. Rihanna has the video I, of the I year. don't know. Beyonce. Oh, sh- um, shut up, Beyonce. Um, but then o- you got Oprah, Oprah to settle Oprah that dispute. Like, so it's like... Is just... It's Oprah, okay? It's like Ellen DeGeneres. You just don't get another one of those. It's one, one, one generational type of person. And there's conflict. Kanye and, and Taylor are yelling a little bit. Um, and... But Oprah's there to fi- to figure that out, and but Billie Eilish, her voice is just going to ser- serenade everyone, oh, yeah. and Make everyone's everyone going to start. Um, 
dressing in really baggy clothes and making really sad music. But that's okay because I like her music a lot. Okay. Shout out Billy Eilish. Yeah. Listen to the podcast. All right, last question. This is a little personal, but it's okay because we're team emotional here, team team deep, team mental health. Um, and the question is if uh, no, what's uh, your ideal day look like? John, you want to go first? Yes. So I would be on the beach, the drive-on beach. For you guys not from Delaware, that's that's a very important key to mention. Um, the drive-on beach. Um, I would. It's me. <laughs> you assholes. So Nick, if you don't know what a drive-on beach is, you drive your vehicle onto the beach. Oh really? I think that's what Dude, you do. That's probably that's what you. I would. Yeah. Um, you back. I thought it was like bike on. <laughs> you back up right to the water, um, unload that tailgate, put some music up. Forward F one fifty, and uh, just kind of hang out by the ocean. That's my my go to day. That's your go to day. All right, I'm gonna go a little different with mine. So I wake up first thing in the morning, and I wake up next to a Russian woman. <laughs> Wait a second, I'm Alexander Ovechkin. Um, it's the morning of game five of the Stanley Cup finals. <laughs> and uh, I got to deliver a Stanley Cup to the city of D.C. Um, it's uh, June 7th, 2018. Uh, I go through my morning routine. Um, I, get to the, I get to the stadium in Las Vegas, and I'm ready to play. And at the end of the day, Gary Bettman hands me the Conn Smythe Trophy and the, uh, the Stanley Cup. Uh, and, and that'd be my, my best okay. day. I have zero uh, – I have nothing prepared for this question, so I'm just going to wing it. Uh, wake up. It's about 9.15 on the dot. Get a bowl of Captain Crunch in me, um, preferably Captain Crunch berries. Um, I would um, read a little bit, get some knowledge in me, get the, the thoughts pumping, thoughts flowing. Maybe give a very powerful mo- emotional speech to a group of young kids. I don't know. Um, <laughs> um, then you know, I I want to get. You know, I'm a big beach guy. I would get to the beach, do some surfing, um, come back late at night, and sit by a sit by a nice log fire and uh, read some political theory. I would also sit by a log fire, but with my Stanley Cup and Conn Smythe trophy, because once again, yeah, I and I would somehow Michigan. fit traveling to Norway in that day if that's possible. Yeah, or New Zealand. All right, as you guys might have seen, um, this constant primary still happened uh, yesterday, even though our country is on a state of lockdown. The Supreme Court vetoed the senator no the the supreme court shot down the governor's ruling and said it was unconstitutional for the governor to re- uh, move the election date because he had originally on monday evening postponed it to january uh, june 9th sorry not january um and he was supposed to do that through the state legislator the state legislator wouldn't budge and wouldn't work yeah. with him so he tried to do it through executive order. State state supreme court says that's not uh, it's not constitutional. So the primary happened yesterday. Uh, today, 
uh, Sanders obviously dropped out as um, as Walker had mentioned, but there were other important races that were still going on, uh, like the mm-hmm. Supreme Court race in um, in Wisconsin, which a lot of Republicans were concerned about because right now they've got the majority, um, and because certain states were gonna or certain districts districts were gonna vote and probably vote for uh, the more democratic or liberal leaning justice, then they would have lost their majority. Um, this is just kind of sad. Like uh, the city of Milwaukee went from 180 polling locations to five. Um, people just didn't want to show up to work the, work the polling locations. Um, obviously like we can't, we can't have an election like that. Um, and if this situation is still going on in, in the, the fall, we need to, we need to universalize vote by mail because without that, we don't know if we're going to have a free and fair election. Yeah, did you guys uh, see Trump's tweet yesterday? Well, his a million tweets that he tweets every day. Did you see his news conference about mail-in ballots? No, enlighten me. Um, so, as we know, Trump gets on his podium every day. Sometimes <laughs> I'm a big boy. I'm going to put my big boy pants on. Sometimes, Sometimes he lets my pillow CEO tell prayers about... How on November 6, 20, 2016, we were blessed. Sorry, John. Sometimes he lets um, Ben Carson get up there and fall asleep. <laughs> um, and other times he's just up there spewing lies. And then he um, sometimes he just attacks reporters and tells them that they're horrible people. So this was another attack on a reporter. Um, a reporter asked him his oh, thoughts yeah, yeah, yeah. on uh, mail-in ballots, uh, voting ballots. And he says they're horrible. Um, he says uh, people cheat and lie, and it's not how we should do our country, blah, blah, blah. And then the reporter followed up and said, well, you voted in Florida's election by mail-in ballot last week. And he came back by saying, well, I can, I can do that. Um, so he doesn't have a valid argument regarding mail-in ballots and he is just listening to these other people that are surrounding him that just tell him that mail-in ballots are just um, a power grab and it's all about letting the Democrats win when it might it might actually help him in the election. He just exempts himself from so much criticism. He's like yeah well mail-in ballots is really horrible but when I do it like, it's totally fine. Like <sighs> Like when all this started, like he wouldn't even take credit for disbanding the global pandemic team. It's Tim's fault yeah. or Tom's fault, whatever the guy's name was. Um, it's it's his pattern. Like he's done this for the entirety of his presidency, the entirety of his life. He tries to bail himself out of every little thing with different excuses mm-hmm. and different different lies that he likes to tell. And frankly, yeah. I'm sick of it. <laughs> three years has been three years well, too long. Um, he tweeted yesterday. Quote, Wisconsin, get out and vote now, all caps, for Justice Daniel Kelly. Protect your Second Amendment. Okay, so let's, let's, let's figure this out. First off, we're in, that, yeah. we're in a state of quarantine, and he's telling – I mean, I understand people need to vote, but this is – he's telling, Wisconsin, like, telling everyone to, to break quarantine, um, to risk even more lives when – what like his whole in flattening the curve that's been the the whole um 
this whole discourse has just been flattening this curve. And then he, he backs, he, he finishes it by saying, protect your second amendment. So it's like, risk your life for the second amendment. This pandemic doesn't matter. The second amendment is more important. Um, th- that's just such an outrageous tweet to me. Uh, and it just goes against so much of what, you know, he's been preaching. He's saying, you know, we need to flatten the curve. We need to um, do this and that. And yes, getting out and voting is one thing, but to, to justify it, the, the logic that follows it is get out and vote in, because you need to protect your second amendment. Now he's equating uh, the importance of the second amendment to the importance of a pandemic. That is what the assumption he's making there. Um, so again, I mean, he's going to look like a five-year-old on Twitter. Um, but I think our final discussion is going to, now that Biden, now that uh, Bernie has dropped out, I think uh, we should begin the discussion of what we think um, a Trump versus Biden situation is going to look like, maybe what a debate could pan out to look like. Um, and I'm interested to see, to hear what you guys have to say about that matchup. I'm honestly, like, with the entire pandemic ongoing, I question whether Trump is even going to show up for debates because he's floated that. Like, he, he's floated the idea that I don't need to debate anybody yeah. on the incumbent. Like, like I, I think that could definitely be a possibility, a growing possibility now. Um, I think the campaign's going to be incredibly weird. Like, our the Democratic platform is, is really, like, about getting in front of people and being able to talk to people. And we're just not going to be able to even access the amount of people or the types of people that we need to talk to to convince them of Joe Biden's presidency. Like, I think we're going to run into issues if this curve decides to start to go down right now. Um, that the American people are going to believe the lies that Donald Trump is going to spew out in these next few weeks and days to come around. Well, I did all this to stop the curve and to change the trajectory of the curve. And yeah. I think his ratings are going to go up. Yeah. And if his ratings go up and the economy starts to um, grow and mature and people start going back to work and we kind of get out of this sooner than expected within this time frame between now and December, I think there's a high chance that he's going to take it again for that very reason. And he can piggyback off it. Um but you can also go the other way. We're saying we don't make it out of this until next year or the following year. Yeah, that it is time for for Joe to come in and kind of save the day. Um, I think the next weeks are telling of what the election is going to look like in the future. Um, I think in a few days we're going to hear um, a VP candidate from Joe. And I think it, it might be Stacey Abrams. It could be Kamala Harris. It could be Elizabeth Warren. But um I think if they go that route, I think Trump might go the same route and bump off Pence to put a woman into the VP spot, which I've heard um, a lot of theorists talk about. So Nikki Haley, so, yeah, I know. I he was talking about bumping Pence. What like about what's year. that CNN reporter? So that wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, she's like a blonde, like twenty year old. They're all. She's blonde. like twenty years old. Or she's not CNN. It's definitely Fox. Um, Oh, uh, Tammy, Tammy, Tommy, 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 Tommy Lord, Tommy Lord. 
Tommy <laughs> Tomato Lauren. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, she's the worst. She's pretty bad. Um, no, but I think or Gun Girl. Oh. Gun Girl would be funny oh. too. Caitlin, Caitlin Bennett. Bennett. Not a fan. She pooped her pants. Fact. Um, but I think that's important point. Big and true. Gonna happen here soon. I think if Joe does that and he already said he's going to, I think um, Trump's gonna do the same thing and it's gonna give him give him even more steam because no one likes Pence either. Um, so that's that's an issue, and I think right now the um, the cards are kind of in Trump's hand and how he how he uh, handles this pandemic in the next coming weeks. And he kind of steers this election, I would have to say. Yeah. I know it sucks, but he steers it. Yeah, um, he does. He yeah. is the incumbent, so. Well, regardless of how this, um, this pans out, coronavirus pandemic, regardless of how many people die, if, if we do ever get out of it, if we are still alive, um, knock on wood, Trump Trump is going to declare it as a victory. We all know he's going to declare it as a victory that he got us out. And there are going to be a large majority of Americans who believe that, who that it, it was Trump's um, wise words. It was his leadership. It was his consi- his consistent reference to um, American superiority and how Americans are more test kits and this and that, and that it's Trump's nationalism that got us through. And his strong faith in God. Yeah, and things like that. Trump is going to declare it as a victory, and what sucks is people are going to believe that. Um, so, in terms of what Joe needs to do, um, I'm afraid. And again, we need to. Um, me and Nick talked about this. We can't be scaring um, anyone on the left of of Joe. We, we need to be, you know supporting him as much as we can. But I think we do need to talk about what a debate between Trump and Biden would look like. And that's a scary thing to me. Look, Just, here's the thing. Joe has the manpower, but is he going to handle himself in a debate that is live, that is aggressive, <laughs> That is two old white men yelling at each other. I, I think you bring up a really great word there, firepower. Um, and I think that is what Joe needs. And that's what I think Bernie had, not to throw this back into supporting Bernie, but Nick is often an advocate of not fighting fire with fire. And I think that's a very um, justifiable argument. But we know how Donald Trump works. He says the right things to, to get people pumped, to get them agitated. Um, he says the, the fighting words that, you know, are unorthodox in politics. And Bernie Sanders, to me, was the one guy who was, had just enough energy, just, just enough intellect to really fire back at Donald Trump. And for, for Joe, and this is just uh, a suggestion of what I think needs to happen with Joe, Joe needs to step beyond, um, you know, those, that script type of reading. He needs to really dig deep into whatever research he needs to get into to be able to just authentically, without a script, without uh, off the top of his head. Because there's, there's going to be things that Trump throws at him that, that his people will not be able to be prepared, to prepare for. So Joe needs that firepower because it could be over – it. it 
it's going to be t- it's going to be uh, I shouldn't say it should be it's going to be over quick, but you know those types of things that Trump says that me- turns into a meme that goes viral on Twitter, and Joe needs to. I don't know how he can respond to those vicious attacks. He can't just sit there and be this moderate guy who just takes it. That is not it's not how we're going to win. Um, so in terms of fighting fire with fire, he doesn't need to you know go back at Trump with the same vicious types of remarks, but he does need to be a different type of Joe Biden. I think it's it's um, you saw this at the beginning of his campaign when he. Um, first started um, people that were surrounding him were kind of saying he never um, he didn't practice kind of the debates yeah. and the conversations he was had because he's he's been in the game for a while so we thought he had it but understanding that he needed to revisit that and he did revisit that in the middle of his campaign and he is getting better at it so I think like, if he works a different approach to this debate and he comes back with um, kind of an off script but um, powerful message i think he'll be fine but trump is quick with his r- words um but he's not quick with uh anything else or his meaningful wit. content <laughs> it's all good great better best kind of language and um yeah. i don't know if that's going to be helpful uh john how are we winning in 2020 and bringing a uh, democrat back into the white house this is how we win this is how we win blue. This is how we win for America. And this is how we move forward in the steps to a more equitable nation. Um, so first and foremost, we need to rally around Joe Biden. Joe Biden is our Democratic nominee. Um, we need to rally around him. We need Bernie supporters more than ever. We need the moderates. And we do need those Republicans that are, that are done with Trump's malarkey and his nasty behavior and his um, inability to lead um so we first we rally around joe biden as our democratic candidate and um we need to be able to vote um the nation needs to move towards all 50 states having bail-in ballots if elections are going to are going to look like or if the pandemic is going to continue into november we need to have every single person that is eligible to vote able to vote and that's through mail-in ballots and that's the only way that we can we can succeed um yes it'll bring in more republican votes but i'm more worried about the equity issue and ensuring that um, all americans have the right to vote during this pandemic that's how yeah, we win. i'd like to add um the left is going to win with passion with firepower um you look at a at a campaign like Obama's. Yes, we can. Um, people believed in that, and it w- it went beyond politics. It it um people uh it was almost ingrained in people. It, it felt like it, there was a movement. It was something that people really um, had hope in. We're gonna win with a campaign that is dedicated to removing a misogynist, a racist, and just a really immoral person from being the face of our country. We're going to win with someone who is a leader, someone who is dedicated to uh, the common person and someone who understands um, what it's like 
to be a person of a different background, to not always have billions of dollars, millions of dollars. We're going to win with, with someone who the public can trust and someone uh, that can adhere to the daily life of every demographic, not just someone who was born into money and someone who had a had an easy route to the to the White House. That's a movement that Trump will not be able to compete with. And with that, uh, I think we're going to conclude our second episode. Hopefully this was a little more conversational and a little more natural than the first episode. We're still getting the hang of this. Um, but we're excited to see what this has in store for us. And you guys have any closing remarks? Uh, we're going to try to get some social media out so that we can uh, publicize these episodes more. Uh, that's all I got. I'll see you guys next week, hopefully. Thank you for listening to First State Takes.